Okay, so we're holding now in the middle of paragraph Zayn of the discourse Likuta Lachot, section of Anaizer, the laws of matrimony. That's a good word, Ishut matrimony, discourse number four. Rav Nosen he explained right before how money led to the sin of the golden calf, how money is the enticement and the means for Avodazar Chasushalom. Okay, because he explains that both money, the money in its root, is is rooted in what's called in a, a holy. It has a, it's rooted above the intellect of a person. It comes from a level super high. But the danger is, is that when you go super high in Judaism, they throw you back down purposely into what's called the exchange chambers in Chalat Mot, and that's where a person, after receiving bounty, and they throw him back down. If he doesn't throw himself back on emuna and he relies on his brain and intellect to solve the problem, he gets sucked in. Mm. So Hashem gave them purposely a lot of money, wealth in the desert, but they were expected that now after Hashem would lift him up with the wealth, uh, so in order to be able to back, go backwards, we'll go into this concept a little, they were expected to fall on emuna when going back with this wealth, but they didn't. And they began to enter what's called philosophical investigation, you know, and to, and that's what led them to the assumption and the conclusion to make a golden calf, mm-hmm. to make Avodah Zarah. Mm-hmm. So he showed, Rav Nosen in the previous paragraph showed all that. Now the this, this stage, next stage. So Rav Nosen now he says, we see already even before the sin of the golden calf, before the Jews received the Torah at Har Sinai, there was already an initial test which shows where they were holding and which was like an indicator of the upcoming sin of the golden calf, of idolatry. What is it? He said, this is now the idea of the blemish that the Jews blemished initially before the receiving the Torah at Har Sinai when there was no water. If you remember in the Chumash, in Parshat uh, Beshalach, there's what's called Parashat Aman. It's a segula to read on that week, on, on Tuesday. There's a chasedika segula to do Shnai Mikra v'chatagum of Parashat Aman, right? Parashat Aman says, uh, before that also, they were, they were complaining there was no water and there was no food. So there the Torah goes into that. The Jews were complaining. We were dying of thirst. There's no, there's no water. Like it says there in Shemot, chapter 17, verse 6. Right? Hashem says, Hashem and also that you, you're getting punished because you tested Hashem, saying, you Jews were saying, is Hashem amongst us or is He not? Because what's the test? Hashem loves you. Hashem, He's going to take care of you like a father to the son. And all of a sudden you begin to have doubts about that. You see that, by the way, in life. You see in life, when you're faced with a major test, what's the first thought that comes to your head? Hashem doesn't love me anymore. Hashem doesn't care about me because if He cared about me, mm. He would never throw me in such a dark situation. Mm. I'm in a dark situation and I don't see any ray of hope right now. So what's the feeling, the, 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 unfortunately, the initial feeling of a Jew when he's being tested begins to think, ah, anyways, Hashem, like now my sins are coming out and now I don't stand a chance because now I'm mm. being judged according to my actions and, and I, I know my actions are not 100%, not even 5%. Right. So, so therefore, I feel... Is Hashem with me or is He not? Mm. So that's what he's saying here. The wording in the Pasuk is very specific. He says, wow. He says, And that you tested Hashem when He threw you in the test that there was no water, 
which led to Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the stone, the, the, you know, taking water out of the stone. Mm. The first time, which was to hit the stone, and water came out. So, the Pasuk says, and also that you tested Hashem, saying the following, what's the test of Hashem? Is Hashem with us, or is He not? So look what He goes into now. Ve'ita bazoa kadosh. The Holy Zohar says on this Pasuk, in Parshat B'Shalach there, what page is that? That's page 64b in the Zohar. On Parshat B'Shalach, where this Pasuk takes, is, appears. Shapigam shelaim haya shechaku ed im bechinat yesh hu bekribam im bechinat ayin. Unbelievable. The Zohar goes a step further. And it says that what does it mean that the, the, the Pasuk when it's saying, and you tested Hashem saying, is Hashem with us? Or, it, it doesn't say oh. The Pasuk doesn't say or. They said, if, if is Hashem with us, if he's not with us. Mm. So it's really or. Okay? So the Zohar says the Pagam was that they began to philosophically investigate if the concept of yesh, yesh translates as existence, matter. Yesh, yeshut. Mm. Yesh means is there. Ayin means nothing is there not That's right. so they began to began to try to with their rationale to try to rationalize and try to figure out with their brain alone is the concept of existence with us is or is the in is the is the concept of nothingness with us i mm. sham Rav Nosen says this is deep and he tells you himself Rav Nosen i sham normally when Rav Nosen says see there he means it He's not going wow. into it fully, and he wants you really to close the book and to go there and to better understand and then come back here. So that's how, that's ideally how a person should learn the Kutei Alachot. And so when Vanessa says Ayin Shem, he means it. You understand? He means it. It's not like, okay, we'll brush it off for now, but it's for your benefit. If you go further inside, that's why it's needed, the Kutei Alachot with uh, notes, with footnotes and, and, and sources and everything. Hainu, and so Vanessa now takes this piece of the Zohar, and he says, this is exactly what we mentioned above. This is what we spoke about earlier. How is it going to connect it? Watch. The main essence of the blemish of the Jews at the time of the sinning of the golden calf was they wanted with their brain alone, with the intellect they were given, their intellectual powers and capacity to understand and comprehend the hasagot, the levels of awareness which are called hasagot orot orinsof. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Nachman starts off this lesson, 24, that it's the tendency and the nature of every man to pursue light in life. What is light? Light has the same gematria, or or is how much? That's 206, 207. It's exact same numerical value as Ein Sof. I don't know if you noticed that. Wow. Light is gematria Ein Sof, meaning what? What's considered light? This world in itself is darkness. And yet, we shine light into this world. Light is being shined into this world. From where? Not from this world. No way. The light that comes, that gives a, 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 a pleasantness in this world, comes what's called the infinite light. But the infinite light itself, you cannot tap into it unless you do something which is opposite. If you try to understand of intellect, up, 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 you just disappear, you'll disintegrate. So what's needed is a block and a bounce, and a person bounces back. And with the bounce back, 
and accepting it properly, he builds vessels that in these vessels, even though I'm on a physical existence, I'm what's called finite. Finite means I'm limited. I'm finite meaning I have, I have a limitation in my existence. I'm a human being. I have limitations. And yet, even though I'm finite, Hashem allows a human being the capacity while he's finite to tap in what's called infinite, infinite. Yeah. To tap infinite, which is two opposites, 180 degrees. It doesn't make sense how someone physical can be able to grasp and understand the ways of Hashem. Rabbi Nachman says it's possible on the condition that a person does it what's called mate vela mate. The Zohar says this word mate vela mate means you're in and out. Mm. In and out means you accept the limitation and go back and go on. In other words, where the brain is running, running, and then they stop the brain to understand, you throw yourself immediately on emuna. With that emuna combination with the brain, then you tap into the orient sof. As opposed to somebody who's learning Gemara and Halakha and everything his whole life, on that pattern of just learning and learning in Hatmada, he will never tap into the infinite light unless he has also in his life blockages and obstacles pushing him back. And then he shows that he's able to throw himself on emuna. So the emuna coupled with his Torah studies, that allows him to perceive things that even a person who was learning Torah hundreds of years, he would never be able to figure it out. You understand? That's why, just by the way, Hashem designed it that you're not always 24-7 in. You can't sit down and learn a bit midrash all day. You have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to go to work, you have to take care of your kids. Why does Hashem make it that you're in and out in life? You, you come to shul, I feel in. Then I go to work, I'm out. You know, I'm learning, I have my chavuta, I'm in. Then I go, I have to go shopping, I have to go, I'm out again. Why is it that this ping pong, Hashem designed the life of a Jew, and it's in and out. Why is it in and out? In order to allow a person to create vessels to perceive the infinite light. Okay? So their program was they wanted to know how yesh and ayin can be joined together mm. with, with that, with mm. intellect. That was their blemish. They wanted to, you see, they're saying, is Hashem, Ayesh Hashem, they wanted to figure this out. Is Hashem and is He not with us? Is the combination of Yesh, Im Ay, or Yesh, Im Ayin together that you can be in and out? They wanted to figure it out. That was the blemish. Okay? They wanted to figure out how I can tap in and yet not tap out and figure it out with logic. That doesn't have to be with Emunah and just throwing aside the intellect. They wanted that it should be with Yediyah. So the Zohar says that's, that, was the, that was the blemish here. Their program was they wanted to understand it rationally, these levels of awareness, of levels of, 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 of perception. Do you see that? That it's in and out at the same time. Rationally, you can't figure it out. They attempted to figure it out, which led them to the golden calf, the Chet Wow. They got so distorted that it fell from such a high level of Har You just received the Torah Har Sinai. You know, what, what could be higher than that? And then you fall so low, even till today people can't figure it out. How is it, you know, all this farm in Mepharshim, they give fine and dandy answers, but it doesn't settle so much. So the, the fact is, you had such a big exposure of Hashem so clear in life and then you go not you don't just fall you go to the opposite extreme of Avodah Zarah of Chet Again, what's going on how could it be how could it be 
because now they attempted to try to join something which was dangerous, to join how yesh and ayin, finite and infinite, could be together, and to figure it out rationally, that, that led them, boom, 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 to fall to the chetah again, okay? Um, but the real the reality is, you cannot figure it out, how yesh and ayin, existence and non-existence, can be connected, are, one, are together, really. Because you see how it works is, Rabbi Nachman says that when you accept the bounce backwards, you create vessels. So by saying you create vessels, ah, so, so there is something. Mm-hmm. I, he says by, by accepting the bounce back, you create vessels. When you hear that, I create vessels now, that means what? There's yesh. There's, now, there's something here. Ah, I have vessels now to perceive. So that's yesh now, okay? So look what he says. He's, Rav Nosson is really going into the liquid. This is an example where Rav Nosson is explaining liquid Emor. This is an example where in liquid Elachot he's actually explaining liquid Emor inside. Ki masegin tishaychalin shenirae ki ilu hu bechinat yesh. Okay, you, you, you begin to you, you begin to contemplate and reach to understand the nine chambers. He goes in the lesson. I didn't explain this point, but he said in the lesson like this: that when a Jew is going up from level to level with his daat. He has an, an arousal and an awareness of God. He's going up from level to level. So the mind, the mind is made up of three sections. Chokhmah, Bina, and Da'at. Okay? The brain is also designed that way. You have the right side of the brain, the left side, and you have, I think, the cerebellum in the, in the middle, mm-hmm. which the Kabbalah is Chokhmah, Bina, and Da'at. Right. Now when a person is going up and up and up and up, and it hits the Keter, so when it bashes into this wall, which is preventing it from going down, the bashing causes the three to become intertwined so it becomes three times three which is nine okay it's like we have in Sveta Omer you have Chokhmah of Chokhmah in this case right. you have Bina of Chokhmah and Da'at of Chokhmah then you have Chokhmah of Bina and then Bina of Bina and Da'at of Bina so you add them up you have nine right. three six nine that's the nine chambers you create by them now getting smashed and then they get intermingled creating nine chambers that's what he that's how he uh, how he says it okay um because you see it's nine chambers, that's something. That's a yesh. But now, like the Zohar says there in Parashat Noach, he's quoting, the, quoting Rabbi Nachman, who quotes the Zohar. Nonetheless, these chambers cannot be dvekut, davek, you can't connect to them, and they cannot be fathomed, you can't, you can't comprehend them. So the, the, the ten, nine chambers in the self, they're yesh, but at the same time they're ayin. In other words, you're in them, but you're not really in them. <laughs> and that's the way to perceive. Mm. You can't, you can't, it's not like, it's not like, a, like, you know, for example, when learning Torah, you have like a, you have a whole, what's called a sugi on the Gemara. So it takes months to build it up, to see the whole mahalach of Rabbi Yochanan, Rish Lakish, and then you go to all the details, and you work on it for like several weeks and months until you build up a whole structure, and you see the whole structure. So it's something concrete. That wording of Torah being concrete is yesh. Mm-hmm. Here, it's something where, on one hand, you enter it's something existing, but its existence is non-existent. You can't build a concrete picture of it. You're in it, and yet you're out of it. Okay? How could that be? It's like, <laughs> what, what, what's here? So this is the way to perceive the Orient self in this format. Wow. If it's on this format, you won't get it. You won't tap into it. Mm-hmm. It's in the format that I'm in and out. 
I, there's no time, there's no ability to make a concrete structure of a comprehension uh, picture. You can't like write it into a book, okay, this is how it is when you connect to the audience. So you can't, look at it, you can't write an Ari Kaplan book on it. It, can't, it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. No, you can't. Because it's, 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 a, it's an, an emotional experience connected to that where it's connected to that but at the same time, uh-uh, when you get too close, emuna. He calls that, the wording he uses in Lesson 24, wow. is mate vela mate. You're in and out at the same time. Mm-hmm. One foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. That's the, people can't handle that. People can say, I want to be in all the way. Right. That is that. I want to pursue. Because again, why, why in learning Torah is that the attitude? You see how people learn in the yeshivot? There's a, a fire to get to the bottom line in every single detail, and it's a push. Mm-hmm. This fire is the nature of a Jew to want to understand, to want to go up. I, I want to understand what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I want to understand Hashem's wisdom of the Torah. It's in the, he says it's the nature of man to want to go up. The trick is, now when wanting to perceive the highest of levels or in self, you can't use that attitude anymore. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to have a bounce. Or Muslim says, it doesn't apply just to big, big tzaddikim. When you heard this term, you say, this is just for big tzaddikim. You know? mm-hmm. Who am I? And or in self. But the answer is, or in self appears in your day every day. Mm-hmm. All the light that you have and the simcha that you have in your life comes from this orient self. Okay? And the way to connect to it is through a munat coupled with the dot. Mm-hmm. And being able to throw yourself on the dot, but with a munat always. It's in and out, in and out. Okay? Mm-hmm. See, this is the ayin, the nothingness that's in the nine chambers. The nine mm-hmm. chambers, they're yesh, they're in existence. I created nine chambers, fine. But at the same time, they're nothingness. Now somebody who has solid, solid emuna, and he doesn't enter to trying to rationalize and understand everything, and, it, and the, especially these areas, he puts on the brakes, and he says it's only emuna when they come to this level, okay? Such a person who is able to throw himself on emuna in this status, in this situation, Look at the wording of the Pasuk. That's the, from the prayer of Hana. Wow. And also, what does it mean? To, to delight above wow. Hashem. Okay? In other words, I skipped. No, sorry, sorry, I skipped. Such a person who has solid faith, he, specifically that type of person, is mer- has the merit to delight in Hashem, on Hashem, and he can actually envision the pleasantness of Hashem's light, specifically through this attitude. You would have thought it's the opposite. You would have thought through developing the mind in Torah study more and more and more. That's how I come to this. And he's saying the Torah study is the prerequisite for you to have the springboard to jump now that when you're facing this level that you throw yourself on emuna, and the emuna with your Torah study together allows you to perceive the Oren Sof. Beautiful. At your level. Each person according to their level. Okay, so he's saying Rav Nosen this, this is specifically through this. You see, he's, he's calling it a new wording now. Through the running of the mind to perceive, to perceive, perceive, you're going up and up and up and up, mm-hmm. and then Makhev, stop, put the break, and you accept it. Okay? Exactly. But the wording here in Lesson 24, he connects it with the wording in Torah 6. Yeah. Okay?
Ashrelo, he and Revelation puts in, fortunate is such a person. But as soon as a person wants to investigate the matter with his rationale, with his brain, brain power, he falls, not just a little, he falls very much, like Har Sinai, that's what happens when this happens to a Jew. Okay? Because a person, through this, can come what's called to a total separation from God. A period to separate. What is, what is idolatry? What is idolatry, by the way? Avodah Zarah means, I don't believe that Hashem is directly governing the whole world. What's what, what is the, the rationale of Avodah Zarah? They say there's a God for this, a God for that, there's a Katrina, there's a Shituf, all these terms which you can't even say it, so Tameh. But they don't believe there's like the one God. That's Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah, service which is foreign. How can it be foreign? Right. Hashem. No, but Hashem gave over to the suns to rule this, to the stars to rule that, to this man to rule this. That's Avodah Zarah. Not worshipping one item. That's called the Perud. And that, that's, mm. If now, you can't join the Yesh and Ayin, so the, automatically there's a separation, and this causes in the brain a separation, that now I can see that at the, at, at the same time there's Har Sinai, yes, but there's also the Golden Calf. The rationale was, yes, I, yes, I had Har Sinai. Ask the Jews who fell into the trap of the a golden calf. Uh, how do you, you just saw the Matan Torah. You didn't see Hashem's hand coming down and the Ten Commandments and everything. Yes, I saw that. But there's areas, there's a Perut. How could that be? Where's your head? Ribbona Shalona. This is how it can happen. This is the damage. That a person doesn't have the emuna to join the Da'at at a time when I'm not allowed to understand, I can't figure it out, and I go through myself at the Muna, if I'm not able to join it, it'll cause a separation, boom, which leads that a person, yes, accepts and rationalizes mm-hmm. okay? I just want to have a few lines, right? Because a person can come to have a, to root towards a separation, of God from the existence, which is Avodah Zarah. Where this mentality of Perud, separation, this comes from what's called the exchanged chambers. In this lesson, Rabbi 24, Rabbi Nachman mentions this concept called Hechalat Murot. Hechalat Murot is where the evil has permission, has the ability to switch everything, good to bad, sweet to sour, pure to impure, joy to sadness, okay? He's able to switch everything. Uh-huh. When says, everything you're going in life which keeps you away from Hashem, we call that Hechalat Murat. Every day in your what life, Tumura means a Hamara, exchange. Mm. When you want to change money in Israel, it's called Hamarat Matbeah. Uh-huh. You want to change the currency, Hamara. It comes from the Chumash in Parashat um, uh, Tumurato and Parashat Bechukuta, you have it a lot. Hamara means to exchange. It's an exchange, changing A for B, making A B and making B A. So the domain of evil is called Hechalat Murot, and that is the cause why a person has the battle of the because it's just trying to convince that the wrong is really good, that the sheker is really emet, okay, that the the negative is really positive. That's how it is, and you have to accept it. That's called Hechalat Murot, okay. So he's saying now, when you, God forbid a person reaches the mentality of Perud, because he wasn't able to join the Emunah with the Da'at, the Yediyah together, so he automatically falls, boom, 
falls to the domain of the Hechalat Muat. Mm. And that's where he's in danger. Mm. A person falls into it. It's one thing to be exposed to Hechalat Muat. It's another thing that you're trapped in Hechalat Muat. Mm. Rabbi Nachman's advice is for both. He says, when you're trapped in Hechalat Muat, then your way out is what we said about last night. To be Simcha. Simcha the Mitzvah extracts what we said last night. That when the Klippa, it's called Hechalat Muat. So you go up and up and the Simcha pushes you now forward, up, up, until you have Da'at, Da'at, Da'at. Because of the simcha, lifts up the dot from the wow. galut, and then you go up and up, and now wait, wait, you hit the wall there, the bounce, you go back down, and they're gonna test you again. Are you gonna throw yourself on emuna, or because everything was making sense, everything was making sense, all of a sudden it doesn't make sense, right? The guy in life, good shidduch, everything's working, and all of a sudden last minute we back down, but it doesn't make sense. What did I do wrong? And this and that. That's where he had to throw himself on Amuna, and he's broken because he's not throwing himself on Amuna because mm-hmm. he can't rationalize, he can't take it, he can't accept it. Why can't he accept it? Why well, have people to say, I can't accept what happened to me? The people, something bad happens to them. And you hear this term, they say, I, they, they couldn't accept it. They can't accept it. Why can't you accept it? Because you're trying to accept it rationally. And only rationally does it settle with you. If it's irrational, it doesn't settle with me. That's the test now. Are you going to throw yourself on a muna, show where you're holding, and pass the test, if you're throwing yourself on a muna, or you get stuck with the rationale? An example of Avodat Hashem is when you had the whole morning going great. You woke up for chatzot, you went to the mikveh, you did it what you do, you did tikkun chatzot, and the learning, and you want to hire, and you daven shimon, so amazing, and then you get to work, crash, and you feel, I'd rather be dead. I'd rather be dead. This is an example of what he just said here. This is where you go through the dot, da'at, da'at, and then you hit with something that scrambles you, oh my, like, and now your test is, are you going to go on the munah? Because it took away the dot from you at this point. You, you can't, you, in order to face this scenario, and get to the prize, the gold behind it, you're going to have to push away the dot. Mm. Okay? And it's hard. It's so hard for a person who's yesh. Yesh means I am a somebody. I am a somebody. For somebody who's building up his somebody, and they make, to make himself nothing, it's a big work. And yet, Rabbi Nahum, that's the only way you're going to connect. Mm. That's the only way you're going to get to the next level, the next dimension, whatever it is. Phenomenal, huh? Yeah. Okay, let's go on. We'll try to, we have time still? Check in. 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 Check I don't know any Torah right now. Uh, right. Like, After revealing the biggest things, right and all of a sudden he said, I know nothing. I know nothing. Yeah. Rav Nosen said, and he, his not knowing was a bigger chidush than his knowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he just revealed the biggest Torah, and then he says, I know nothing now. I know nothing. Kids, go on. That comes through. See, he can, God forbid, come to Perud. And what is the Perud that comes from the exchange chambers? Because exchange chambers, by switching everything which is good to bad, that causes separation. Mm. When things are switched, when good is bad, bad is good. Sour is sweet. Hechal means the chamber. Or chambers, it's plural. Hechal, because there's many of them. The chambers of exchange. Perud means separation. And that emanates, he says, from this exchange chambers. Shehem hasitra achra. He said, Rav Nosson's opening up. Another term for the sitra achra is hechalat murot, the exchange chambers. And he proves it now, watch. He quotes now Zohar Parshat Mishpatim, which says there, and the, it's called Sabah de Mishpatim. It's a very deep section of the Zohar in Parshat Mishpatim. 
Desharia Behibura Vesayem Beferuda. Evil starts off in unison together, Behibur, and ends up separated. Mm. On Pshat, it means the evil people, when they get together, you have mafia nerves, like guys, they join together. So they start off together to do bad, but they end up with arguments and everything, they end up, Separate. right? In Judaism, it's opposite. People start off separate, and then they become together. Yeah. They have the idea of husband and wife, they're two opposites. Right. But in Shalom Bayit, they become one. Chachamim, we're arguing, for example, in the Bimid Rush, where they're screaming at each other. What are you saying? He doesn't say it like that. He's like this. No, you don't understand what he said. He's saying like this and that. So there's an argumentation of, of mamash fight. It's like you, they can kill each other almost. Right. And yet they end up with shalom because the goal is to, to understand the maskana and the gemara. They're okay, we got it now. Yes. Okay? So in Kedusha, it starts off separate and then becomes connected. That's how it is in life. Anything good starts off with rush. Like it says, Sadiqim also. The beginning of their life is difficult and the end is pleasant. The Rishayim is the opposite. The beginning is separate. Uh, sorry, the beginning is, is together and it ends up separate, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't be, don't be impressed of the Hatzlacha, the success of evil or wrong because it's not lasting. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be uh, off the tangent very soon. It's going to be separate. Mm-hmm. So this is what the Zohar says, that the evil side starts off together but ends up in Peruda. The word Peruda is really the same word for the word he used before, Perud. Perud is Avodazara. Perud is separating God from existence and, and God forbid worshipping another deity in the middle. Another intermediate intermediary worshiping worshiping that. That's Perud. You're separating Hashem from the from the creation, mm-hmm. from the existence. Okay? So he said that's that's the term. He just wanted proof of Nasan from the Zohar of what he's saying here. Dahainu. In other words, Shema Frid, what's the separation here? Like we said in the beginning of this, of this paragraph, Bein Yesh Ve'ain Ad Shenistapku. That the blemish of the Jews there, at the test of the water still, right? Is that they separated the Yesh, the existence, the finite, from the Ain, the Ain, from the nothingness, from the infinite, until they began to have doubts. Is Hashem really with us? How could you say is Hashem really with us? He just took you out of Egypt, and all of us, and he gave and and all the ten plagues, the ten makot and kriyat suf, the same the same argument here also, like oh like the Harsina and the and the golden calf. Yeah. You just saw kriyat suf. You just saw the ten plagues. You just saw eye to eye big miracles, and now you're crying about water. Is Hashem with us or not? How could you say that? Where is it? Mm-hmm. But Hashem just took you out. Right. How could it be that such a separation can happen? This is how it can happen. A person tries to rationalize, that's how he can fall to lose it. Okay? Until they actually began to have doubts. The Pshat of the Pasuk. Is Hashem really with us or not? Mm. Look, he, looks us, he took us out to kill us in the desert, to make us uh, dehydrate and, and die out of thirst. Mm. Right? That's what they said. Is Hashem with us? Is He not? Right. Because in truth, everything is one. Everything in its root is connected. The yesh and the ayin are really one in their root. Right? Mm. The thing is, you have no permission, you have no ability, you have no capacity to understand and investigate this matter at all, as mentioned above. So now Renosin goes back, why did this take place specifically at the test for water? Now he says, what's the connection of water with all of this? So specifically, this test occurred in that parsha in Bishalach, where the time that they needed water to drink. What is the representation of water? 
שהמשכת השפע שנמשך מבחינת השגות הנ"ל. Water is representation of drawing down the bounty that comes as a result of these hasagot. Well, to explain, hasagot means when you tap into the infinite light, you've tapped into the source of all bracha. All bracha that comes to a Jew comes from the infinite light. It doesn't come from this world. Mm. Any hatzlacha in parnasa, in, in children, in learning Torah, in health, any good, goodness coming down to this world does not come from this world. That's for sure not. It's not from this world. Mm-hmm. It's coming from a domain which is above this world. Which domain? The Orient Self. But to connect to it, it's not through Sechel. It's not through intellect to get to it. For me to connect, it's like a piñata. You know piñata? Yeah. The you hit it and then all the candies come out. That's what you're saying. In order to hit the piñata of the Kavyachal, the Avdim, of the Orient Self, yeah. the way to get to it is not through just that. It's the combination of that and knowing when not to use the that together. That's what enables a person. Mm-hmm. So the Amuna really... Yeah based on this, is the key for all the brachot to come to a person. Mm-hmm. It's Torah study, but then to throw it into the emunah when necessary. Because ultimately, what's going to be above the dot that he has, what's going to be the opening to open up this wall, to bypass it, and to receive from the infinite light, it's the emunah, not the dot. The dot goes up to the wall. Mm-hmm. But with the emunah, I can able to tap in what's be- behind the wall and extract and bring down to me, mm-hmm. even though there's a wall. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Okay? So going back, he says, water is the result that comes from these, uh, these contemplations mentioned above. So because they saw, you know, they thought, the Jews, we just left Egypt, we just had Kriyat Jamsuf, so we're deserving that we should have the Shefa. They thought the Shefa should come. And when they saw that we were thrown into a test where there was no water, what's going on? Where's the Shefa? Because water represents Shefa. Where's the Shefa? So because they saw that the Shefa was being delayed from coming down to them, because of that, they began to enter into the test mentioned above in the, in the wording of the Pasuk. That's how they entered in the first place. This test of testing God, is there Yesh with us or is there Ayin? But it can't be together. That was their test. We'll stop here.